Hi, everybody. Before we start this week's episode, I have an important announcement. If your name is Lindsay and you have a dad named Brett, I'm sad to say that he has retroactively banned you from listening to all previous episodes of Election Profit Makers. Lindsay, you can no longer listen to this podcast either in the future or in the past. You are already in violation of this ban because you didn't know about it. And now I'll do the introduction. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, everybody. It's the greatest podcast you'll ever hear in this or any other lifetime. My name is David, and I'm joined by my friend Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And also, way down south. Hey, hey, everybody. I wasn't done. Way down south where the Spanish moss flutters in the tobacco-scented breeze. Down in Bayou Country in the southernmost state of the USA, North Carolina. The old north state down by the equator. <clears throat> we have here the Phil Ford of forecasting. The pulled pork prognosticator. Yes. The Sam Perkins of sages. Uh, I'll the stop. Dean Dome Nostradamus. Hi. It's John Kimball. It's Long John Silver. Hi, John. How are you? Great. So uh, we programming note here from Election Profit Makers World Headquarters. The ban war is out of control. I'm just going to speak frankly and from the heart. We have started a wave of destruction, and we are struggling with how to not make this podcast just the reading of bans and unbans and protection bans and self-bans. There are still a few people who listen to this podcast for political-related news and investment advice. And so what I have decided to do as Bandmaster General of these United States is seamlessly weave the bands in throughout the course of the episode. It's going to be so subtle, you might not even realize that Sam Johnson has banned Micah the Baby or that Aaron A. has banned Mitch McConnell. These are just going to kind of flow in and out throughout the episode. I don't want it to compromise our listening experience, although I am crazy about bands and I no longer have any interest in the election and all I care about are these beautiful <laughs> bands, my babies. John and Starley, you told me there is news to talk about, so take it away. Have at it. Well, what happened this week? Yeah, what happened this week? <laughs> um, Amy Coney Barrett was nominated to the Supreme Court to replace RBG. That was announced on Saturday. It wasn't exactly a surprise. Uh, she had been one of the top two people that... Uh, at least predicted, thought was going to be nominated. He chose her because she's already vetted so they can do it faster. Right. He chose her because she was one of the contenders during during the time when Kavanaugh got nominated so they can speed through it. It's the most cynical nomination they could think of. They, they, they replaced RBG with an anti-abortion, anti-same-sex marriage, anti-gun control woman so they can like hold that up that they love women though. But I got paid, so that was good. <laughs> Sorry. John Kimball, the feminist icon, yeah. gets paid no matter what happens. Yes, I made $250. So Get out. Maybe that was a psychological hedge in a sense, but I just, I wanted to have some happiness. Betting no on everyone else, that's how you made it? Yeah, I bet no on everybody else. And I actually was no on her and, and then switched to yes. So I sold my nose for a loss on her. And immediately lost like seventy dollars, uh -huh. and then just went all in. Yes, on her. She was just being announced at that point. You mean like the night before when they said it's, it's going to be her, even though it's not official, right? And you could right. still make two hundred fifty dollars even then. Yeah, because I was completely maxed out on everything else, on Lagoa hmm. and on even a bunch of men. And even after she had been announced, I still had some of my no shares get filled on some men judges. That's how much they want those men. Yeah. But I gladly took their, you know, shares and made like $7 more. What are you going to spend that blood money on? Well, probably taxes. King of the Segway has <laughs> entered the chat. Yes. John, why did you mention taxes? What a crazy topic to bring up that's like so <laughs> random. Like, what are you even talking about? Sunday night, the New York Times came out with a story that Trump essentially has no liquid assets. And he has sold most of his stock to pay off all of his debt. And he has a bunch of money losing properties. And he has paid no federal income taxes whatsoever in 10 of the past 15 years. And Heather Brown banned Stanley K, even though it's almost his birthday. Ah, was that, did Maggie 
Haberman put that one out? Yeah, that was from a source close to election profit makers gave her that quote. And then it said that uh, in 2016, his first year as president, he paid $750 in income taxes, which is mind-blowing. I am actually going to pay more in taxes on my predicted winnings this year than Trump paid on his income taxes. Assuming I don't lose everything. And you know that fucking probably drove him crazy that year that he had to pay $750 in taxes. He's probably screaming and throwing dirty diapers at his accountants because of that. Is it $750? Is it just like if you pay anything? They yeah, don't- you got it. You, you know how the IRS, you kind of have to pay something just so you're not like looking suspicious. I always, when I'm doing my taxes, it's always like, should I write this off? Well, I can. And then I think, I'm not going to. I'll actually pay more to avoid getting audited. What, $750? He should pay like $17,000 or something. Or $1,000. Yeah. $750 is exactly the amount of fuck you money that you get paid <laughs> when you've put a disproportionate amount of work into something. We're going to pay you for an article that it takes seven months to write, and you at least want to have the dignity of a, of a full thousand. The thing that drives me crazy about this whole tax story is that according to the New York Times, he's personally liable for $421 million of loans that are going to come due within the next four years. Is that a lot? And (laughs) I mean, first of all, like I almost broke out in hives because I have debt right now. A lot of us have debt right now looking Mm -hmm. at these credit card bills and and what have you. And I was kind of like, yeah, I get what he's doing. Like if I owed $421 million (laughs) in the next four years, you're damn straight. I'll be packing the court with these conservative maniacs and getting the attorney general to be my personal right hand man when it comes to. I definitely try to shut down the fucking post office. To st- I don't want to. I don't want to leave my house. Someone's gonna ask me where my four hundred twenty one million dollars are. Fuck you. I'm I'm staying. I'm staying in the Oval Office, sleeping under this desk. But what I really wanted to say was, he doesn't even have the savviness to go out and have a bake sale and shave off $1 million. So he brings his total down to $420 million, which is actually like one of the coolest amounts of money to owe. He's just such a klutz. He can't even do that. Imagine if he was like, yeah, I owe $420 million. Yeah. That's marijuana. It's the street code for marijuana. Elon Musk would have had no trouble doing that. Yeah. Musk would have got it up to $420 billion. Yeah. Oh, he would have, man, because he's cool. Elon Musk is the... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody sent us a damn deed to Mars. Somebody... <sighs> this Mars stuff, I said I was never going to talk about it, but one of our listeners really trolled us because he somehow he bought an acre of land on Mars and named it after me or something. There's like a kid Midas <laughs> patch on Mars, some fake ass Martian real estate. So if Elon Musk show, ever shows up on Mars, he's going to he's gonna have to deal with our little patch and we are going to put a little picket fence around it <laughs> and be like, you can't have this. Try to drink this milkshake. You're not getting it, Elon. There's not shit under the surface of Mars. What an idiot. I always just think about that picture of him smoking marijuana on the Joe Rogan podcast. It makes me want to <laughs> John's doing an imitation of it right now. <laughs> it, uh, okay, anyway, he owes a, a large amount of money. Huge. And nobody knows who he owes the money to. That's not sketchy, is it? It really shocked me. Really? That it was that much money. This is a classic actually surprised John Kimball moment. Yeah, it is. It was shocking. It, it was shocking. It was the first time that I thought, Maybe you guys are right, and maybe he will go to jail. I mean, I've always thought all this talk about Trump going to jail is ridiculous, but that's a lot of money. And it's money he definitely has and definitely knows how to get quickly because he's pretty good at business and finance, we've realized. I was surprised they had all they had all of it. You know, I could imagine it, but they had it all. I think it's a big story. I think it's really cool these days to say, LOL, nothing matters. But I think stuff like this matters. I think it will matter. And and as we've said before, it's going to chew up time in a campaign where the president is behind right now. And he could kind of melt down because he's an undisciplined campaigner. So where he should just, you know, move on and start talking about something else, he'll probably get very defensive and, you know, perseverate on this topic for many days or weeks. How did Predict It react in the face of it? It was the first time I saw, like, I don't know what Biden people are, Biden bros or 
Biden boys go wild on predict it. Yeah, it was it was exciting. My gain loss line was looking really good last night in the several hours after. I don't think it's a game changer. It's definitely not going to matter with the Trump base, but these things are one on the margins and I think it will affect certain voters. I think the $750 is going to be what hurts him. That is a brutal number to confront. It's outrageous. Yeah. Then you see how much everyone else paid. Biden paid $3 million in taxes. I know. I was like, God damn, Biden is rich. I didn't know he was rich like that. Well, Biden was one of the poorest senators. Right. He didn't own stock, famously. He refused to own stock. But he definitely got rich after being vice president. Do you think they're going to twist that? They'll use that and be like, look at our poor man in the (laughs) White House against the rich. Yeah, they probably will. They probably will because they're ridiculous. Is, Is a bigger scandal that he doesn't pay taxes or that he has no money, that he's not a he's not rich. The legal thing is he is committing tax fraud if he is mm-hmm. claiming his businesses lose money to avoid paying taxes, but he's claiming right. his businesses make money in order to secure more lending to keep failing businesses afloat in a never ending low stress cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he's either a fraud or he's a tax fraud. And he's probably laundering money. We got Capone on tax fraud, right? And evasion. The, and is tax evasion not tax fraud? No, tax fraud is when you misrepresent your earnings to avoid paying taxes. It's not just like not paying your taxes. Did Trump not misrepresent? He wrote off a lot of stuff that you probably shouldn't have written off, like his hair. No, I want to stop you right there, Starly. And this has been driving me crazy all weekend. You can write off personal grooming if It's part of your job. I itemize my deductions, and I used to be a charming and unseen television host, Mm -hmm. and so I am in the business of looking pretty. I am in the business of always being camera ready at a moment's notice, and so yes, I write off my personal grooming. My personal grooming includes a $30 haircut. Well, I mean, it doesn't anymore. It just <laughs> includes me just growing all this hair out. But before COVID, I would get like a 30 or $35 haircut every two or three months. And I, I deduct it. I write it off because it's like, hey, man, what does it say on my tax return? It says I'm an entertainer. It says I'm the king of showbiz. It says Hollywood gold in human form. Kid Midas, David Reese, social security number, signed, sealed, and delivered by my accountant. So you can totally write off your haircut. Starly, do you do that? I don't, but I would now. Start. Start. You're in the entertainment industry. Write off your haircut. But wait, he wrote off Ivanka's hair stuff, which means it would be like you writing off John Kimball's hair stuff. Huh. Wait a minute. Can I do it? No, John, you can't. I'm I'm an entertainer now. John, you can do it. You are an entertainer. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Thank you. You're not, though, John, because we just hear your voice and we never see your hair. So don't do it under penalty of huge audits. We talk about your hair extensively. We've Your hair has been discussed for hours. Yeah, you're right. In fact, the stakes are even higher because we've talked about your hair so much that if anyone did see you in the wild now, you have to live up to the expectation of the visual image that we have established for you. That's true. They have to be able to recognize you and they can't accuse us of- Misrepresenting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, you know what? Star- You're right. You're right. It is a part of the discourse. It is a part of the national conversation. John, I misspoke and I apologize. Right off those haircuts. Okay, thanks guys. Sure. I'll do that. I'm sure that won't result in anything horrible happening to me. <laughs> Richard Sexton bans Darren for cussing too much. Matthew Stevens bans Melanie B because she gave me a hard time for trying to connect to John Kimball on LinkedIn. John, you need to connect with Matthew Stevens on LinkedIn. Okay. Everybody hit up John on LinkedIn. Let's make some business connections. This is going to be the opposite of Pod Save America because let's assume Biden wins. Knock on wood. We're all going to transition from the podcast world into the White House and be in charge of many important policy departments and cabinet positions and what have you. Mm -hmm. And we all need to start networking on LinkedIn now to make sure that we enter the Washington, D.C. political world with a lot of good connections and resources for each other. Because if I'm in charge of like the Department of Transportation or whatever, and John Kimball's over here at, at uh, Housing and Urban Development telling everyone to make their skylines more muscular, we're going to need connections. We are not well ingrained in that world. John, give us a bit.ly link for your LinkedIn profile. Let's get some resumes flying around here. You could just go to linkedin.com slash in slash John Kimball, and that'll just go directly to my LinkedIn profile. 
I can't make a Bitly link because I actually got a notice from Bitly saying that I'd made too many links this week. What are you doing oh. making a bunch of Why were you making Bitly links? It's just making more t-shirts. Bit.ly slash EPM merch. Is that one of our new Bitly links? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, guys. Yeah. Let's say that you've already bought one of our amazing election profit makers shirts or totes or masks. And you loved the experience and you know that you're getting a great product and you're supporting a wonderful podcast. And now you want to do it again, but you don't want to use the same old bit.ly link that you used the first time. You want to type something new in your browser bra. Hit him up, John Kimball. What's a hot new bit.ly link for this week's t-shirt purchasers? Uh, you can go to bit.ly slash hurt God. <laughs> that one works. Bit.ly slash American Cucumbers. <laughs> that works. What? <laughs> bit.ly slash EPM cool. <laughs> Why are you doing <laughs> Why are you doing this? What? <laughs> Why are you Bit making dot Lee slash <laughs> hurt the Bible? I got that one too. They sent you a message that you were making too many links. EPM 666, Helicopter Tony, EPM ACAB. And they all go to the same URL. Yeah. The more incoming traffic, the more money. People might accidentally type these in and yeah, you know, yeah. just end up there. <laughs> I, I'm some sure t-shirts. somebody is, is going to accidentally type in bit.ly.com slash EPM cool. That just feels like one of those phrases <laughs> that everybody says all the time. And so it's probably just pure muscle memory that they're going to type that in. Or uh, hurt God. Bitly.com slash hurt God. The classic phrase that everybody just idly types into their browser <laughs> while gazing out the window at a sparrow taking flight. I wish I could hold you in my arms right now, John. God damn, this pandemic sucks. <laughs> Matt Hensley, you're banned by Jason Dearson. Turn the podcast off. Goodbye. Speaking of conserving time and energy, mm-hmm. John, do you think you've spent your time wisely Yeah. in the past week or so? Do you think every minute that you spent was used in a way that maximized your time on Earth? Maybe. Is there any minutes that you spent the last week that you might have done differently? Like maybe 146 or so of those minutes? <laughs> okay, I see what you're getting Oh, at. wow. Wow. <laughs> it took a while for that burn to... Uh... Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this week, besides being on Predicted all the time and making good money, I did actually this week go to a movie in a theater for the first time since this craziness began. It was a a theater in Chapel Hill, and you can rent it out with a small group of people. Was it Silver Spot? It was Silver Spot. Oh, the best theater in the world. Oh, my God. Alamo Drafthouse, you suck. Silver Spot Cinema at the University Mall is where it's at. Yeah, it is. It's nice. It's where we saw, it's where I took you to see Midsummer, and you had such a wonderful time, and you afterwards you were like, thank you so much for taking me to see this movie I knew nothing about. You're such oh a good God. friend. I apologize, but I did have fun. That was nice. John at Midsummer is- It was so epic. He was, lo- he was thriving <laughs> and vibing. I was not ready <laughs> See, I don't, I don't, I don't research movies before I go to them, and that explains why you went to go see the movie I saw was Irresistible, directed by John Stewart, and and he had written it, the greatest movie poster of 2020, the poster that tells you so much about the movie and like what it's about and the positive, happy vibes of the <laughs> political comedy event of <laughs> the summer. It's just Steve Carell and. Rose Byrne. Standing there. Yeah, without anything behind them. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's just all white. I mean, that poster is, I would watch a movie about making that poster. I feel like that was Jon Stewart the night before the movie came out. Everyone had gone to sleep and he was like, oh, fuck, I forgot to make a damn poster for my damn movie. Somebody remind me how to put put a photograph into a Microsoft Word document. Tim doing a bit.ly link as a poster. Have you seen it, David? Oh, yeah. I've seen Irresistible about five or six times. The more I heard about it, the more I was like, I have to see this movie. And also, I bought the poster and um, had the cast sign it, and it's framed over my bed. No, I haven't seen Irresistible. I watched it not knowing who directed it, but I knew that it was terrible. I knew that it was it was really not good. If you're going to rent a theater, make sure you got a good, solid movie. Yeah. Check the tomato meter. You can't take a risk. I got a nice meal out of it. All right. 
Ben, you've been banned by your partner, Andrea A. It turns out you can't even vote. Whoa, I love a brutal ban. He can't even vote in the United States. Sorry, Ben. Find yourself a Brexit podcast. Ooh, Brexit Ben has been banned. Now, we said last week that volunteering as a poll worker would earn you a ban. We need poll workers across this great nation. The first person, I think, who sent him their receipt about signing up to be a poll worker, John, is from Asheville, North Carolina. And we like this because Asheville is part of the North Carolina's 11th Congressional District, and there's a very interesting race going on there for Mark Meadows' old seat. That's right. Mark Meadows left the House to become the chief of staff for the Trump administration. Now we have Democrat Mo Davis, who used to be the lead prosecutor at Guantanamo, who Republicans hate because he refused to admit confessions under torture. He was an anti-torture military guy. And then his rival is this fucking creep. Madison Cawthorn, who was at the Republican convention, who all his all his campaign material has him in camo with a big huge rifle. No one knows how he makes his money and he lied about his military service and then he got in trouble because he posted on Instagram when he went to Hitler's summer house and was like, I finally get to go to my dream vacation to Der Fuhrer's summer mansion bucket list or whatever. Just like a mess. If you're looking for a house race to donate to, donate to Mo Davis. But Johnny from Asheville signed up to be a poll worker. He says, I would like to use my double ban for the following two parties. I guess I must have said that that earned you two bans because he walks right in here talking about using his double ban with utmost entitlement. He says, my wife, Allie, because she won't leave work early to help me wrangle our escaped pigs. Buddy, we all know what that's like. And also, oh, thank you. He wants to ban the Pod Save America crew. Siri H bans the people who developed Siri and also people who make fun of people for being named Siri. I can relate to that because my last name is Reese and everyone used to call me Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Jason Silverman came through with three separate donations for three separate bands. John H, you're banned. Ted L, you're banned. Matt B, you're banned. Jason says, let them know that even though they are banned, I will continue to listen to the podcast and transmit to them in our group chat any juicy pics I hear from Kid Midas, Starly, or John. The debates are coming up. Tuesday night. By the time you're listening to this, the debates will be happening. What, what Do we have predictions for what... Um, how it's going to go and whether it will change anything. Well, we know that predicted is not going to have any of the mentioned markets. We know that for sure now. No more word markets. So that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? How do we know that for sure? Starly, it's over. How do we know it's not going to be It's not going to happen. He sounded so heartbroken. How do we know Santa isn't real? Are we sure? Are we sure? I'm the innocent of the three of us. It's done, Starly. We would have had word markets by now, Starly. Apparently, you can bet on the words at other places, you know, other gambling websites. It's perhaps that predicted is is trying to yeah differentiate themselves from these fun, more exciting, just youthful, straight up gambling markets. I think Biden is going to win the debate more than that. I just think Trump will lose the debate because he's not a great debater unless there are 10 other people on stage and he can just keep the chaos going. Yesterday, I got delivered a Sunday Times and I looked at it and it was like Trump officially announces Amy Coney Barrett. And so as I was looking at it, I was like, if Trump loses the election, do you think the headline will be... Trump loses as opposed to Biden wins. You think that's the bigger news? Yeah, and it's the more, it's a bigger visceral feeling. Trump loses, refuses to step down, nation in crisis. America gains. Should we be paying attention to predict it after the debates? Should we be monitoring during the debates? What's the strategy? I am paying attention to predict it right now and trying to get into the presidential markets, which I got out of so I could get into the uh, SCOTUS markets. I'm getting back in there because I think that like I've said numerous times, Biden will win and that uh, his numbers on predicted will go up some. I'm anti-debate. I don't think I'm going to be watching these debates. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Are you, 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 you going to make me? You finish the bureau. What else do you well, have to the watch? Only, the only interesting thing is is when um, Trump is demanding that they both take drug tests and the Biden campaign came out with a statement that was like, perhaps the president thinks his case can best be made in urine. We will choose words to convey our message. I was like, are they we getting into P-tape territory now? Yeah, that was- That, that was, was amazing. <laughs> Discussing urine in the context of a presidential debate is is interesting to me. And that might be enough to- have me tune in. God, this country's so fucked. God love us, everyone. If I can quote from Tiny Tim, 
Luca F., please ban my brother-in-law, Stephen B. He and my sister are both Oberlin grads. Oberlin is a super cool college that I went to when I was, uh, after I graduated high school. I love these Oberlin references. Best college ever in Ohio. Kenyon coming for you. He and my sister are both Oberlin grads, but when I asked him if he listens to Election Profit Makers, he said, I've never listened to any podcasts and I don't know how. Stephen B., you'll never learn because now you are banned. You know what? You're not only banned from election profit makers. I do ban you from listening to all podcasts. You'll never know the hours of entertainment and edification that you're missing out on. That's your own fault. Miles Pufall is banned by his brother, Matt, for talking too much about other alumni from his alma mater, Oberlin. Oh, this is the Oberlin section. I remember I put all the Oberlin ones all in the same place to trigger my friend Sam, Beckett's dad, who always hates it when I talk about how I went to Oberlin and how that means I'm smarter than him. Uh, Matt says, I'm going for a difficult bank shot self-ban because he donated. <laughs> oh, he donated. Okay, fine. He donated the Crooked Media Voting Rights Org. Yeah, I get it. You're trolling us. You're banned too. Dan H., I've been donating to the ACLU every month for years now. It's not a lot each month, but it's added up, and I hope this qualifies me to request a ban. I would like to ban my fellow Oberlin alum, David Reese, for his repeated butchering <laughs> of the pronunciation of my home state of Oregon. Oh, he says it's not pronounced Oregon. He's one of these people who pronounces it Oregon. John, what do you say it, John? Or- Oregon. 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 <laughs> Oregon. Oregon, we could say Oregon. Zing! You banned me, but I zinged you. I won the exchange. We have a listener question from Kevin. I've established negative risk in a popular vote in electoral college markets, but I'm not sure I really understand the advantage of it. I know it eliminates my risk, but I also seem unlikely to make much money. Is there a part of the strategy I'm missing? Does it make sense to max out and then try to sell off the less likely positions? Maybe Long John Silver can help. P.S. Closet witch rules. For people that don't know what negative risk is, it's uh, basically an arbitrage strategy that allows you to uh, make profits with zero risk. It's when a market that has multiple brackets is oversold and all of the yes shares are adding up to more than a dollar. So in a situation like that, you can buy the no side and because there can only be one bracket that is yes, then you end up in a situation where you are going to make money. And Predictit will actually immediately credit you that money when you have negative risk. What? Yeah, they give you that money immediately. And then if you try to sell one of those brackets, you're increasing your risk again. So Predictit will take that money away, even if you're selling for a, you know, like a small gain. So negative risk, it takes a while to establish it. It's not something that you can get all at one time. You just have to put in those buy orders. And when various brackets will spike, that's when you buy the other end of it. So it's a strategy that is very time consuming. And what he's suggesting is, should I just go negative on the ones that are the least likely? That is a strategy as well. So in you know the presidential market or in the democratic nomination market, you would just be no on Klobuchar and no on, you know, The Rock, because you absolutely know that those are not going to be the nominee. That's negative risk. Remember, there was a guy uh, who wrote a script for negative risk. That's right. We had our own computer program last time around. And I think that I wrote a bit.ly link that takes you there. I think it was bit.ly slash negative risk, but let me check. Everyone give it up for John Kimball. Round of applause. That's a great bit.ly.com link. Yes, yes. And it redirects to Phaedrius. It's a, a plugin for Chrome for negative risk. Give us that link one last time, John. Bit.ly slash negative risk. I made that link four years ago. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a window into a different world, a prelapsarian world. It's also like the one thing we can depend on is John Kimball making bit.ly links four years ago, John Kimball making bit.ly links now. Mm-hmm. That's to return to normal. Nature is healing. Have you been making bit.ly links in between the entire time? I've been making bit.ly links for over a decade. Woohoo! Ten a day, every day, doctor's orders. It's like this way some people just solve Rubik's Cubes idly who know how to solve them and they just keep solving them. That's what you and Bitly Links is like. Got a Rubik's Cube right here. We did not plan this. Can you solve it? No. I could do one side though. Well, any everyone can do one side. Next listener question. We have a question from Brian. 
I am thinking about reaching out to my sister who lives in North Carolina about the upcoming election. She's a registered independent but voted for Trump last election. She is on the fence about this election. Since David and John are from North Carolina, what is a North Carolina specific reason or argument that I can use to convince her to vote for Cal Cunningham and Biden? Tom Tillis has just been a terrible senator, a rubber stamp for Trump. And when he was in the North Carolina General Assembly, he blocked... um, Medicaid expansion. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's specific North Carolina things that Cal Cunningham and Tom Tillis are different on. But I do think overall, the reason to vote for Cal Cunningham, the Democrat, over Tom Tillis, the Republican incumbent, is that Tom Tillis is against affordable health care and a fair tax system. And he lined up right behind Trump on everything. He then uh, seems to have endorsed some QAnon-related conspiracy theories about COVID numbers and COVID statistics on a constituent call. You know, he's just a creep. Tom Tillis being aligned with Trump, that might not get her because she might vote for Trump. Is there something that he's going to do to hurt North Carolina? I don't know. Is she a UNC fan? Cal Cunningham went to UNC. There we go. Boom. Case closed. If she's not, don't mention that. Brian, screen this first. Don't mess this up, Brian. Keep us posted. Cal Cunningham is leading Tom Tillis in every single poll that I've seen. Cal Cunningham needs to take that Senate seat. I got very excited last night thinking about this. It's going to be closer than people think. Closer than the polls, Joe. It is? Yes. I'm afraid. John's afraid. All hands on deck. We have a listener question from Sam. I just got into betting on Predict It using your promo code. Thank you for using our promo code. And thank you to you too. I was wondering if there were any tips you would give someone who is just looking to dip their toe into the water of election betting this season. I've already made a few dollars, but I don't want to get hundreds of dollars invested into this and end up like John. Burn. Wise. You want to end up like me. (laughs) He'll be making a lot of money. Secondly, I am from Missouri. I was wondering how someone like me from a state that really isn't voting. The show me state. Jefferson City. Oh my God, he's in full almanac mode right now, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready. I was wondering how someone like me from a state that really isn't voting on anything this election season can get involved. Yeah, Missouri is uh, probably not going to be in play unless things get really wild. So if you want to get involved, I would focus on maybe doing some phone banking. What do you guys think? You guys are the phone bankers, not me. I text banked this week. And I did postcards this week. We do have a dispatch from a defender of phone banking, someone who basically phone banked us on behalf of phone banking. Maybe we should listen to that now. Hey, Starly. Hey, David. Hey, Long John Silver, John Kimball. Long time listener, first time caller. I was sorry to hear how frustrated David was using the dialer while phone banking. I mean, I enjoyed hearing his frustration. David's angry rants are works of art and part of the reason why I listen to election profit makers week after week after week. But since you wanted to hear about other experiences, I just thought I would call in. You know, I did some phone banking for Obama in 2008. It was back when you had to go to a place, in this case, a creepy darkened ballroom in Brooklyn, and sit at a phone and dial numbers manually from a list. Uh, Not only was it scary to cold call people, but it also was kind of time consuming. And ultimately, I wondered whether I made any difference at all. Now, it does turn out that one of the calls I made put Obama over the top and single-handedly won the election for him. I found that out later. Um, but the truth is that, you know, I, I, I was turned off by it. And I didn't phone back again for about 10 years. And that was only when, in 2018, a good friend of mine, who always gets me to do the right thing and get outside of my comfort zone when our nation is on the line, convinced me to do some phone banking for Antonio Delgado, and even some door-to-door canvassing. But, you know, that friend has moved across the country, and I have to get over my own shyness now. I can't count on him to shame me into doing things. And this election was too important to not do what had to be done. So I ended up taking a training on Zoom with the Democratic Party on how to use the dialer And while I expected the training to be a little corny, and it was, I found the training itself to be delightful. And since then, I've now joined the Slack channel. I go there every day, every other day, you know, click on the link, open the dialer and make a call for 45 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever I can do whenever I want to do it. And while there is a certain wall of bleep bloop to get through, 
uh, and it's a little bit hard to get accustomed to that ding and start talking. It's so much more efficient than my dialing numbers in a Brooklyn empty ballroom and ultimately just a really fun experience. Uh, cold calling is scary and you get hung up on, but every experience I've had phone banking, I've spoken to one or two wonderful people and it's great to find our people out there. You know, phone banking is not about the individual difference you can make. This is what I've learned. It's really about everyone doing their small, small part as a group to reach out to voters, to give the voters the information they need to vote, and to collect data to give back to the campaign to help them refine their approach. I've found it to be a really positive experience. And while, David, I know you well, you are the friend who got me to go phone banking and door-to-door for Antonio Delgado. I know that you won't be discouraged from one experience. I know that you will persist and fight on. But for those listeners out there who are on the fence, or let me just tell you, don't be discouraged. You may even want to take the training. I, I thought that it really helped. So I made a bit.ly, bit.ly slash how to call strangers, all one word, all small letters. That takes you to a website called mobilize.us. You can sign up for that training. There are usually a few of them every weekend and see if the phone banking works for you. And if it's not your thing, mobilize.us has lots and lots of other opportunities for you to volunteer, to organize virtual events, to text bank, not just for the presidential race, but also for state and local races. It's really not just sort of good and, and, and meaningful to be involved. It's really the only time that I end up feeling a little bit calmer, a little bit more cautiously optimistic. And I hope you'll give it a shot. So thank you, David, for always getting me to do the right thing. Thank you, Starley and Long John Silver for making election profit makers and everything else you do in the world. And thank you, listeners, for getting involved. My name is John Hodgman, and that is all. That's a defense of phone banking from our old friend, celebrity guest investor, John Hodgman. Sam? Look to John Hodgman for inspiration and get on your phone and do some phone banking and let us know how it goes. Now, the next listener question takes a very different approach to John Kimball's answer. The next listener question is from Tim. Is it moral to try to flip another state? I'm 26, live in New Mexico, and have been involved in politics all my life from volunteering for campaigns in eighth grade up to paid volunteer coordinator for multiple candidates. In the last month, I've gotten calls from California and Texas trying to get me to vote Democrat and Republican, respectively. I was livid. Who the fuck are these outsiders telling me how to vote? I have heard, seen lots of people I admire posting on social media, encouraging people to adopt a state. This demoralizes me because eventually New Mexico will be like Montana with more money coming in from out of state on in-state elections and will crush the work that locals have been doing. Personally, I've come to the personal belief that it is immoral to lobby for non-federal out-of-state offices. I won't call y'all telling you how to vote congressionally in North Carolina and California because I won't live with the local consequences, but I might for the presidency. I hope you all do the same. P.S. I would say the village of Acoma has the best skyline. This is really bumping up against a plot line of Irresistible. Ooh. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, uh, I disagree. We had another listener email that we never read out loud. Someone was really offended by the Pod Save America Adopt a State campaign where they were trying to gin up support for these swing states and getting all their listeners to adopt a state. And of course, it was really corny and sincere. But in the end, I was kind of like, I don't really give a shit. Like, if people are getting invested in other states' races when it comes to the Senate— I mean, that does have national consequences. It's not like we're we're not calling people in Kansas talking about their school board election, although fuck it, maybe we should. I could see how he's annoyed being a local. It's always annoying when the national party comes in, starts pushing you around. I mean, yeah, I understand the national huge party apparatus of permanent consultants and cynics comes in and, and steamrolls over maybe local organizers and the movement they've been trying to build. That's obviously shitty. I mean, he's been doing this stuff his whole life. He probably has a lot of local knowledge that obviously outsiders don't have. And so obviously you take umbrage when somebody just bursts through the door acting like they know better than you. But if you're talking about what we're going to do from now to Election Day, yeah, goddamn right. I'm going to call voters in Wisconsin. It's so undemocratic to begin with. Like, we just got to influence people however we can. I mean, this is truly the plot of Irresistible. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, this is what you do. First of all, thank you for all the 
work you've put in over the years. Treat yourself by renting a movie theater and going to a private screening of Irresistible. Write us next week and let us know how it went. Otherwise, you are banned. Everybody go see it. Great movie. He's absolutely right about the village of Acoma. The skyline is really, really dope. Yeah. I built a little village out of um, sugar cubes when I was in junior high, and it reminds me of that. Let's return to the battlefield. When we last met, the fields were strewn with the corpses and the broken hearts of the band. Brother had turned against brother, sister against mother, friend against friend, roomie against roomie, and in one case, husband against wife, in a psychosexual drama that left us all breathless. What will happen on this week's installment of the 2020 EPM Band Wars? Who has risen to the occasion this world historical election donated money such that they may have the luxury, nay, the honor of banning their friends and foes from listening to America's most beloved podcast, Election Profit Makers? We turn now to the wonderfully named, the perfectly named, Daggerheart family of North Carolina. I'm not making this up. Jonathan Daggerheart. You want to talk about sticking a knife in someone's heart. Jonathan Daggerheart is the husband of Kimberly Daggerheart in North Carolina, (laughs) way down south where the bayou burbles and bubbles. And Jonathan has been banned. I should have read this one last week because September 21st was actually John's birthday. I apologize. John, you got a bonus week of listening to the podcast, but that ends now. You're banned, buddy. Mark Lukic made a donation last week that I didn't get to, and he said, I make this donation to ban my good friend Jason, whose analytical mind, calm under pressure, and subtle sense of humor make me think he would get along very well with John Kimball. Unfortunately, that relationship ends now because Jason has been banned. Now, here's what happened. I never read that donation last week. So then Mark Lukic wrote back again, I banned my friend Jason last week, and this week I'm banning myself because I just listened to the latest episode and I spent the whole episode on the edge of my seat waiting to hear about the ban on my friend. The anticipation actually sapped the joy out of my usual listening experience. I also don't think that it helped while I was grading papers while I was listening. I'm a high school teacher and these papers must be graded. So now I want to self-ban in addition to my friend ban so I can go back to listening to pure anxiety-free uncut EPM or not listening, which is exactly right, Mark. You've banned your friend and yourself. You can no longer listen. Turn the podcast off now. Thank you. Goodbye forever. Elena B., I would like to protect Eric Fong. This is very sweet. I would like to protect Eric Fong from any attempted ban by another person. He's the one who introduced me to this podcast, which has brought me hours of joy during this otherwise dark time. I want to ensure that we can both continue to listen to our favorite podcast until the election is over. Oh, now isn't that sweet? Yeah. Someone stepping up to protect their friend. That was nice. Now, I happen to know for a fact that Eric Fong is weeping in shame right now. His friend Elena took time out of her busy day to make a donation and protect him from being banned. And unbeknownst to her, what did Eric Fong write to us this very same week? Oh, no. Eric Fong wrote, I would like to ban Elena B. in Washington, D.C. It's nothing personal. And I hope we can still be friends after this. I don't think they can. Sick. Biffed it. Elena, you need to trade up. You put your life on the line for Eric Fong, and he turned around and went classic North Carolina dagger hard on you. Matt Aronoff, I'm writing in response to a ban that I received from Julian Shore. Yes, I am a bass player, and I have to respect your irrational hatred of the low end and Julian's desire to ruin my life. In response, I banned Julian's partner, Carmen, from listening to Election Profit Makers. This might be the only way to pressure Julian to lift my ban. So, Matt... You're banned, but you also made a donation to ban Carmen, who is the partner, and we know what that means, lover, of Julian. The three of them are having some kind of crazy menage a trois. I don't want to get into it. (laughs) William K. says, with my donation to fairfight.org, oh boy, I'm writing to unban DJ Corey D. This next sentence makes me sick. His presence, like that of the Satchman, ugh, Makes the show way more silly. I hope the below amount to fair fight, and I will say it's a substantial amount, is enough to cancel out the ban of Lisa, who initially banned DJ Corey D. I also donated to Biden, Sarah Gideon, (laughs) and Amy McGrath. 
I know this last one will grind John Kimball's gears, but he lost me money in the Kennedy Markey market, so I think it's fair. DJ Corey D, you're unbanned. Welcome back into the fold, my friend. I miss you. I love you. I honor you. I unban you. John Kimball, what do you think about people donating to Amy McGrath? She got a lot of donations in the wake of RGB passing away. It's not a great idea. Irresistible covered that, too. <laughs> this movie contains everything. It's like the Voynich Manuscript or something. It contains all human knowledge <laughs> in inscrutable form. That's probably why I didn't enjoy it, because I was like, this hits too close to home. Triggered much by the brutal satire of John Stewart's Irresistible. <laughs> Speaking of the Satchman, uh, this is a private message to the man who owns a pizza parlor in, in Florida. I love you, buddy. But I got to say, this voice memo that you sent me this week, it's 11 minutes long. I don't have time for that right now. If you want to communicate with me, communicate via a band. Step up. I know you're making money hand over fist with your waffles and pizza shack or what gazebo, what have you, and then your other pizza parlor. Make a band. If you want to talk to me, we need some money for voting rights organizations. I'm not going to sit around and listen to a 55-minute long voice memo about you driving around or tailgating or whatever you're doing. Now, listen to this band donation from Sam Gold. He signed up to be a poll worker and he sent us the receipt. I would like to exercise my newly endowed double band powers to ban myself and the smug white guy I saw walking through Gowanus two years ago who was wearing an election profit makers 2016 t-shirt. For those of you who don't know, Gowanus is an industrial section of Brooklyn. I am banning myself as penance for not doing more in 2016 to contribute to democratic election efforts. Back then, I was more invested in having an opinion about politics than fighting for the causes I believed in. I loved listening to EPM in 2016, but after Trump won, I wouldn't let myself buy your rad t-shirt because I was haunted by the thought I had used things like podcasts and articles and obsessive 538 refreshes to fulfill my sense of civic engagement. To be clear, I don't blame you guys at all for any of this, and now in 2020, I am working on a better balance of podcasts and article consumption compared to active civic engagement. But, he says, in 2018, I saw this guy in Gowanus wearing your 2016 EPM shirt, and he looked so cool and smug, and I thought, that fool reminds me of myself, here for the listening thrill, but lacking political will. So I want that guy banned too. I don't know his name, but I think that's a good thing. Because I bet there are lots of white guys in Brooklyn who bought EPM 2016 shirts. <laughs> and I'm hoping all those white guys will stop and think, oh no, did I wear my sick EPM shirt in Gowanus at any point in 2018? Is this guy talking about me? If you're worried I'm talking about you, I probably am. So take the ban, give what you can, and get in the game. Sam Gold, bring in the truth. First of all, I can totally relate to your tension between civic engagement and reading podcasts. The first is legit. The second is bullshit. Uh, yeah. Now, here's the twist. Sam Gold, the guy you saw walking around Gowanus in a 2016 EPM shirt looking, quote, so cool and smug. I think that was me. <laughs> because Corey's shop, his wood shop, where we, where we would go to drink beer and play music with Aaron and Mike and Thomas and Marisa... That was in Gowanus. So I was spending a lot of time walking back and forth in Gowanus, and I probably was representing the EPM brand wearing our wonderful 2016 t-shirt. So I kind of think the twist ending here, which I know is something straight out of O. Henry or Irresistible, is that you've actually just banned me by mistake. And in your ban, you have cut to the quick of a problem you have also diagnosed in yourself that a lot of us have, which is the difference between quote-unquote, knowing a lot about politics and actually doing a lot about politics. I take the ban, I take this warning shot across my bow, but it doesn't stick because a week or two ago, somebody very kindly donated to give us a preemptive reverse ban. So I'm still safe, but I'm hanging on by a thread. Mike Sevastio, I found out that my dear brother Christopher Sevastio banned me while I was enjoying the podcast. I hope that even though I am banned from listening, I can retaliate by banning Christopher from listening. Now, this is true. This is brother against brother. It is true that once you've been banned, you do have to stop listening. But that does not preclude you from sending in a donation receipt and banning others. I mean, obviously, it's a tragedy that because you're not listening to the podcast, you can't hear the warple blade go snicker snack as I ban these traitorous motherfuckers. 
But rest assured, if you send in the donation, they will be banned. Chris Seedy is banned by Matt Nash after being cruelly and publicly called out into the street and threatened with a ban. I request with a heavy heart a lifetime ban on my good friend Chris. And I will say, Matt Nash, you stepped up. This is a hefty donation. You guys looking at this? Chris Seedy, you're banned. You're really, really banned. Please ban Kara Peterson. She doesn't understand that this is a big deal. She doesn't even seem threatened by it. Who typed these words and sent them to us? Her own husband, Steve Ferris. I love it. This is marriage story times a thousand. Noah Baumbach, eat your heart out. You wish you could make a movie about the ban wars. Mm. Ryan Walker, I would like to immediately ban Aaron McLeod, who introduced me to the EPM information goldmine, and her Blake Shelton-looking brother, Grant. Grant, you look good, son, but you're banned, so do something else with those ears. Stephen Mahalsik bans his brothers, Jay and Robert. Ooh, that's a nice donation. Thank you, Jay and Robert. You're both banned. Goodbye forever. This ban... What do you call people who own dog? Is it owner? Person. Parent. Rhino the dog, if you're listening, I have to tell you that your person, your parent, Stephen Williams, has banned you. So you can no longer listen to this podcast. Stephen says, I just, this must have happened right after RGB. I just drunkenly rage donated $100 to the ACLU, and I thought I would leverage my generosity to ban my handsome dog, Rhino. And he sent a photo of Rhino, and Rhino is a handsome dog, but unfortunately, Rhino can no longer listen to this podcast. He's a good boy. Sasha K donates to the ACLU to ban her ungrateful friend, Austin A. She says, Not only would I like to ban him, I would also like to use my teacher discount to unban myself. She has been previously banned. Furthermore, I respectfully request to extend a third unban using my teacher discount to any UTLA teacher members who have been banned because we have enough bullshit to deal with right now. She is requesting a third ban. I'll I'll give it to her because UTLA teachers are dealing with a lot right now. All teachers are dealing with a lot right now. Mm -hmm. Paul F., writes in to say he got mm-hmm. a crappy feeling in the pit of his stomach when he listened to last week's episode. So he donated $100 to When We All Vote and $100 to the Pod Save America guys Get Mitch Fund just to troll us. Well played, Paul. We are trolled. Then he found out that his friend Sean had banned him. So he's requesting an unban. You get that, Paul F. And not only do you get that unban, I'm banning Sean because Paul F. actually is like a jack-o'-lantern artist and he carved a dicktown jack-o'-lantern. Dicktown is a wonderful TV show that I made with John Hodgman, and you can watch it on Hulu. Thank you, Paul F., for your skills with pumpkin carving. So you're just unbanning him? Yeah, I'm going to unban him. If y'all know if you have sole unbanning powers. I absolutely do. I'm the bandmaster general of 2020. You see you see all these medals and pins and epaulets and amulets I got flying every which way on my uniform here? I got these big military boots. If you're interested in finding Dicktown, it's at bit.ly slash Dicktown. God, I love you. That Bitly link, I think, was generated by John Hodgman. Is that correct, John? It was. What do you think of his Bitly game? Pretty good. He actually has uh, Dicktown all lowercase. I checked. Boom. Game recognized game. (laughs) Dennis in San Jose writes, Friday's news sent me into a tailspin that I wasn't sure I was going to come out of. I'd even thought about banning myself from all news and politics. But I've been reading the daily newspaper and talking politics since I was eight years old. So come Saturday, I was pulled back in and had a terrible weekend pouring over think pieces and talking head snippets. So I made a donation and I hereby ban Beckett. Don't be like me, Beckett, he writes. You're a kid. Go ride your bike. Read Cracked Magazine. <laughs> Classic. And laugh at fart jokes. Come on, Beckett. Beckett, you're banned. I can't remember. Beckett must be so worn out from being banned and unbanned. He's just getting tossed every which way. Growing pains. Yeah. (laughs) It's your bones are creaking and growing, Beckett. You're banned. You can't listen anymore. I know you saved up your money and made your own homemade Bloomberg terminal. Beckett's got two computer monitors on his desk now, like his hero John Kimball used to have when he was deep in the domain trading game. I saw a picture of Beckett at his home office looking like the king of C-SPAN. I couldn't believe it. Too bad, Beckett. You're banned. Owen Berliner, you're banned. And who did it? Your friend, who has an amazing name, George Washington Hertz III. He writes, Owen's been trying to get me to invest on Predicted.org. I finally did, and now I'm banning him. Absolutely. That's what you do. Betrayal is the engine that drives the ban economy. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing sweeter than a friend who helps you get on to Predicted, introduces you to election profit makers, Opens the door so you can enter the lifestyle and then you turn around and make a donation and just ban the fuck out of him. I love it. The cold, empty nihilism at the, at the heart of it all is, is, what, is what drives me here. Sarah M. writes in with a very useful update that we should all take to heart. She said, I just wanted to make sure you were aware of some of the mail-based ways to help with the election. 
I've gotten many of my friends who have never volunteered for campaigns to engage with these activities. We have Vote Forward. The goal is to write 10 million letters to traditionally underrepresented voters focused on swing states. Experiments have shown it can boost turnout up to three points. So the website for that is Vote... Oh boy, John, what do you think of this URL? VoteFWD.org. V-O-T-E-F-W-D.org for Vote Forward. And then there's Kid Midas' personal favorite, postcards, because I love to watch a Netflix and uh, grind out some postcards. GrassrootsDems.org and PostcardsToVoters.org. She says, I've been listening to the 2016 mixtape while I crush these postcards. I'll be writing until my hand falls off earning the mixtape. Thank you, Sarah M., for the Thank 2016 you. mixtape love. Yeah. So if you're writing letters and postcards, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to let somebody write one postcard to a voter and then write in and say, I wrote a postcard. Let me ban my best friend. I think it has to be a substantial amount. A lifestyle. It has to be a lifestyle. If you mm-hmm. can make a compelling case that reaching out to voters through the mail has become a lifestyle for you, you can make your case and we'll consider a ban. And now the final two bans of this week. William L., This is what he wrote, ladies and gentlemen. Fires are raging and storms have battered our shores. A pestilence creeps over our land and 200,000 people lie dead. Our greatest jurist is now lying in repose. Pelosi's prayers have gone unheard. Darkness has risen and it is time for election profit makers to embrace it. I want a ban of such terrible power that it will hurt the Bible, hurt God. I have understanding to reckon the donation required, for it is a human number. This is where I got so freaking excited. 666. Hail Satan. William came through with a $666 donation. And then he closes it with the greatest sentence ever written in the history of the human language. William says, I hereby ban God Almighty from listening to election profit makers. What can you say other than wowie zowie? (laughs) (laughs) William, your vision, your theological knowledge, your financial (laughs) abundance, and the fact that you are trolling God Almighty by banning him or her from listening to his or her favorite podcast, we commend you, William. Thank you very much. And then just when I thought things couldn't get any more insane, Mike Anderson wrote in, Dearest Zookeepers, Here is my donation to help protect Starly from being banned from the podcast. Mm. Starly bets with her heart, and we could use more of that in the world. I'm looking forward to the Starly-only episode in November. Now, I don't know if we have consent to reveal the amount of Mike Anderson's donation, but let's say Starly is now well-protected by a four-figure ban. Wow. Mike Anderson really stepped up and made a fat, honking donation to protect Starly. Meanwhile, John Kimball and I are left out to dry. We're sitting on the edge of this chasm. We have arrows shooting at us and cannonballs. We're ducking. We made our own armor out of old cardboard boxes we stole out of the Dimpsey dumpster. Starley's reclining in peace and security, surrounded by a four-digit band. My heart feels very protected. What are John? John, what's wrong with John and me? Who's going to protect us? No, my us? heart is the one that needs protection. My heart is like 50 yards away at the end of the sidewalk. People stomping on it, laughing <laughs> at it, and spitting at it. Don't even worry about protecting me. I can take care of myself. I'm a scrappy middle-aged kid. But Long John Silver... Someone needs to step up with some heavy-duty bands and protect Long John Silver because I have a feeling as we approach the election, tensions run high, tempers get short, people are going to start really throwing some bands at John and me. So somebody needs to step up and protect Long John Silver in the way that Mike Anderson has stepped up to protect Starley. Goodness gracious. This donation is making me feel like my resistance to betting on the Supreme Court market has all paid off. It just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And so, John Kimball, you might have now have $250 to spend on two and a half screenings of Irresistible. <laughs> but meanwhile, four times that is going towards voting rights organizations. Yeah, maybe karma is real. Thank you, Mike. We'll have more bands next week. If you didn't hear your band this week, rest assured it is in the queue. The band cannon is going to be firing nonstop. As everybody knows, you make a donation to a voting rights organization. You send the receipt to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. You can also earn a ban by volunteering to be a poll worker on election day. Just send us a screenshot of your confirmation. 
when we started this little project of the band wars, we were hoping to raise $3,000 and now we are approaching $9,000. And of course, once you start approaching $9,000, the figure in your mind is $10,000. We will not rest until we get $10,000 in donations to voting rights organizations. Send the receipt to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. I didn't even know there was that much money in the world. <laughs> well, when you live in a country where your president pays $750 in taxes. <laughs> right. Oh, there must only then be $3,000. <laughs> Keep the bands coming, guys. We love it. And thank you for those who have signed up to be poll volunteers. All right. Bets of the week? Well, because the debate's coming up, Biden seems to be the hot bet of the week. Ride Biden waves. Is that your bet of the week, Starly? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. All right. I guess I'll get into Biden, too. That old chestnut of just like the straight up presidential election. No funny business. No Oberlin nonsense. Wow. Okay. Wow. We just just... went there. You're zinging one of the most progressive colleges in America. Alma mater of Lena Dunham, voice of a generation. Unbelievable. Oberlin College, I ride or die, learning and labor. That's our motto. Wow. Progressiveness has nothing to do with this election. Our student council will bring this nation to its knees and everyone (laughs) knows it and I can't wait. Oberlin student council rules over everything. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. It really does help us during these uncertain financial times to have a little monthly income, and we really do appreciate that. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We have a relationship with predictit.org. You can go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. Time is running out to bet on this election. So if you want to do it, do so now. Get some free money to bet with on Predicted. A reminder to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you decide to get your podcasts. And subscribe to the show so you can get the show as quickly as possible. John, hit us with some bitlies for those shirts. Bit.ly slash EPM t-shirt. EPM t-shirts. EPM ACAB, EPM 666, EPM Life, EPM Lifestyle. We don't have an EPM Hail Satan? Uh, Hail Satan was taken, but I could probably get an EPM Hail Satan in there if Bitly hasn't locked me out. (laughs) We should make a t-shirt that is just the Bitly links for ordering the t-shirt. How about EPM Starly is worth the most? No, that's that's 404 error, unrecognized. (laughs) The band wars continue. Politics continues. The grind continues. Leave it all on the field. I am Kid Midas saying goodbye for now. And I will also say goodbye to my friend Starly. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. And way downtown, North Carolinaville, the hippest village with the hottest bistros. I'll say goodbye to John Kimball. Goodbye, John. Bye. Bye.